Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back in the house. Unfortunately, after another Lions loss in D.C. to the pitiful Washington Redskins. We'll talk all about that today. Man, we got news and notes. We're going to do a review of the Redskins. We have a special guest here on the show who I'll introduce here in a moment. We got some questions to fire at him. And we're going to talk about this Turkey Day preview. Lions uh, got the Bears coming in. Grifka's favorite quarterback, Mitch. That's a dog's name. We'll get to that in a little bit. We'll talk about the Turkey Day preview. But before we get to that, uh, we're happy to have on the show today. Um, this is a guy that supported the Detroit Kool-Aid cast since day one. Uh, this guy showed up big time with his crew and GB and Green Bay when we were there for Monday Night Football. We had a ton of fun meeting this guy, chatting, talking football, eating burgers, having a couple cold ones, and just really uh, – you know, all enjoying the Lions together. So, uh, like I said, it's been a while. He's been listening. He's been sharing this with other people. We're like, we got to just have you on the podcast, man. So I'm happy to bring on and introduce Paul from Tampa. Paul, what's going on, man? Oh, doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, quite the honor. Oh, man, we're super happy to have you. And, Paul, before we get rolling, like, I don't know if you're going to drop any gems uh, today. I'm sure you'll have a few. But this is probably your greatest work of all time. This is a call that you made into the Detroit Kool-Aid cast line. Grifka, what's that number once again? Hold on. we got to do the, th- the clearing the throat so people understand. <coughs> <coughs> once again, hey, everybody, that number is 989-272-3484. Once again, 989-272-3484. Thanks for the calls, everybody. A great cheap plug by Grifka, but let's listen to what Paul dropped on the Kool-Aid cast line. This is good work. I expect more of this today on the show. Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Hey, this is Paul from Tampa, one of the people. Hey, I got two quick things. First, the people need to know the truth behind Grifka's Friday and Saturday draft absence. The rumors are swirling about what happened. First, I heard he was out shopping with Mar- Martha Ford over at the Sunglass Hut. <laughs> then I heard he was out at Golden Corral pounding down prime rib with Scott Mitchell. <laughs> but the craziest thing I heard was he was taking a joyride out with Brock Marion's stolen conversion van. <laughs> However, I go on Twitter and I'm reading that he was actually at home taking care of his kids for the weekend. Allegedly. If that's the case, man, Oakery, you need to quit busting his balls. Is there anything wrong with spending time with your kids? Nope. <laughs> Last thing, I love the AO pick. I'm thinking he can contribute day one. Even if he's a backup to start the season, DBs tend to get banged up a lot anyway, so he's going to see the field. I'm looking forward to waking the neighbors when he makes a play. Hey, yo! Oh, 
I gotta switch to another call. Titus Young is calling me collect. Drink it in, man. <laughs> oh, oh, baby. <laughs> Paul, man, that that's big time. That that's Jim Rome quality, which we love on this show. A couple shots at Grifka. He dropped the nope. Uh, a few inside references. One about like 1980s Lions football, which only Grifka will get, and a couple other gems. Uh, and a Titus Young blast with a phone slam on the way out. I love it, man. Oh, well, I do my best, man. It's all at least I can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. So I wanted to get that off the top. Uh, again, that's that's the kind of call we want. We want some humor. We want you guys to come strong when you call the Kool-Aid cast line. So now that we've got into that, we do the normal. Grifka, what the heck's going on, buddy? Oh, man, it's a big week. It's turkey day. It's like watch the game. If the Lions are doing good, you stay up and watch the whole thing. If not, you let the trip to fan kick in. By halftime, you go to sleep and just check the score and wake up watch the Cowboys game. <laughs> oh, boy. Grifka gets us off to a great foot here, uh, just down in the dumps about this team, which how can you blame him, sort of, because we've been losing football games left and right. But uh, let, let's do some news and notes off the top. I'm going to throw this one to Paul first. Paul, man, we got injuries all over the field all season long. We've got uh, our quarterback off the field. We've had key defensive players. Like every week, it's a couple different guys missing, and it feels like it's just enough that's keeping us from getting Ws. Like what do you think about these continued injuries as well as Flowers down uh, dinged up maybe for a second week? Driscoll's got a hamstring. I mean, what are you thinking about these injuries as we head into a Thanksgiving Day game? Well, it's clear that it's getting worse and worse and worse, and really the question is why. Um, obviously, the more you play, the more injured you're going to get as the season goes on. The NFL did us a huge favor and gave us, what, a week five bye? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> then then sent, us, then sent us to Green Bay on a Monday and then had us play the Vikings right after on a short week. So thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, You know, the truth is, the way their defense is set up with these rushing three, they, they're they're just going to have more plays. And I, I feel like, especially defensively, these, these defensive backs are, are putting their bodies on the line because they're not getting the three and out stops. Um, and it's it's just kind of gotten worse and worse over time. Also, you know, let's be honest with you. If, if the Lions were in playoff contention, I think some of these guys would be playing through them, um, it, especially the veterans. So I do think there's a little bit of that to it. Um, but then again, you know, these guys are so – Quinn is so secretive. And, of course, Patricia, you really don't even know how bad it really is. I mean, it could be a hangnail. I mean, it, or it could be a broken vertebrae. We've kind of learned that in these last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know about your your take on the cornerbacks. I, I called out uh, Justin Coleman kind of on Twitter saying, like, I, I saw a real lack of effort in the Redskins game from him on a f- multiple plays where it looked like he was avoiding the pile, avoiding contact. Um, that, that was frustrating for me. But like you said, maybe they'd be playing through if they were – you know, better, but I mean, we need W's. We need good football and, uh, you know, just continued injuries. Like I say, it's not even, you know, the third stringers or it's not the same guys. It's every week. It's a few different guys that are just key cogs almost. So Grifka, you got any thoughts on injuries? I know we've talked about it in the past. Yeah. Everybody has injuries at this time of the year. And, uh, just to, you know, compound what Paul seems, just if, if they were in contention, you know, these things wouldn't be as bad. They would probably, you know, take a shot, get more tape, whatever, and get out there and play. But uh, 
that's one of those things. Obviously, this team's not playing for anything. The the uh, veterans see that, you know, and they're going to be like, hey, you know, I don't want to get injured worse, and you know, have that opportunity to be cut, you know. So, uh, that's one of those things where uh, if they were actually playing well this year, I think a lot of those guys would be out there putting a little more on the line. So, Grifka, is this the gimmick today that you're just going to, instead of agreeing with me, you're going to agree with Paul on everything? Yeah, because, you know, it'd be nice to agree with somebody who's right once in a while, so. <laughs> oh, sure, but whatever, whatever you say. Um, let's, like you said, uh, they got to get past these injuries, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, we're just going to not only deal with it all year, but I feel like you know, there isn't a ton to play for. So I'd like them to err on the side of caution, but I know the fan base is getting absolutely uh, just kind of fed up with, with everything that's going on. But uh, I'm hoping Thanksgiving, a few of these guys can come through and, uh, and get out there and make some plays, no doubt about it. So uh, let's, let's move this thing forward. Grifka, you got anything else uh, on the top of your mind before we get into this Redskins review? Um, yeah. Just wondering really quick, uh, what do the Lions do if uh, Driscoll, you think his hamstring's that bad or it's going to be one of those things like the coaches are patting him on the back and saying, hey, uh, we really need you. You know, you've been great for us so far. Or do you think great. that should go with, you know, great compared to uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, but uh, they're just trying to pump him up. Do you think uh, Driscoll's hamstring's, you know, kind of, you know, that bad? Or, or do you think uh, it's going to be one of those things where uh, he'll be out there playing? Paul, what do you think about that, man? I mean, it's impossible to tell. And obviously the Detroit local media will will never know. I mean, they, they didn't even know that Stafford was hurt. They found out from the national guys. So um, it's going to obviously be a mystery. It, it could be a little bit of gamesmanship. You know, tell, tell Chicago, hey, you know, he can't run. He's going to be a pocket passer today. And then next thing you know, he's you know doing a quarterback read option. So it's, it, it's hard. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, but I, I do think I do think he'll play. Um, Driscoll's got a lot to lose by not playing. He's kind of one of those borderline, um, you know, backups where he can be out of the league, you know, if, if he doesn't perform, he wants to get game tape. So I, I think he's going to push through it and, and he has a lot to lose if he doesn't. I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's obvious he'll be out there. Um, if he wasn't, you know, would it be a huge deal? I mean, I kind of would like to see why we gave up uh, whatever it was, a 2028 20, seventh rounder, whatever it was for David Blau. I mean, I never, I don't know why they would trade for this guy or what he has to offer, but I, I mean, my, my thought on Driscoll was like, I didn't see much the first game, second game, I was kind of saw some flashes and, you know, this game was just, was, uh, I mean, where, where's, where's Sir Charles when I need him? That's terrible. I mean, that's what I thought about how he played. I mean, he just turned the football over in this Redskins game. So everybody's kind of giving this guy a free pass or saying, oh, he's a great backup. Like for one game, I think he was pretty decent, but that's not the guy I want to trot out there on Thanksgiving. That's for sure. So you, you want to know what it was, why he like had such a downturn against Washington? I'd, I'd love to know, Grifka. Teams had tape, and they could adjust to his game. That read option wasn't open nearly as much. Like I say it before, say it to you a thousand times. Defenses adjust. They got a little bit of tape on this guy. The Bears have an extra week to prepare against him, so I can't see him. I, I could see him actually maybe doing worse on Turkey Day than he did in Washington. 
And I think he brings some decent stuff to the table when it comes to, uh, I did see his athleticism more. I mean, Big Hughes was telling me, oh, this guy, he just he's terrible. He holds on the ball way too long. I was kind of like, I mean, other yeah, than the turnovers, I, I didn't totally mind him, but he started turning the football over and just kind of crumbling in the, late in the game. I mean, yeah, that pissed me off. But, um, you know, I think he's a suitable uh, backup, I think, in some some ways. But it's pretty obvious that he can't, he can't throw the football like nine and can't get things done. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Like I, I, like I put out on Twitter too. I mean, all these people were always saying if, if Matt Stafford goes down, like we, uh, we got no chance. What happens? Matt Stafford goes down. We start losing a couple games and they want to burn the house down. It's like, what do you expect? I mean, this guy was playing for the Bengals at wideout like three, four weeks ago. And now we're expecting to come in here and win four in a row for us. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff I, I just can't understand. Like people, you know, just there's a noticeable drop off. It's pretty obvious. So get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Come on, let's get to this Redskins game. You guys ready to do this? Let's do it. So, So looking at this game, I mean... When did the Bo Scarborough fumble happen? I'm trying to trying to find that here. Uh, was that was that our first drive, or was that early in the first quarter when he put the ball on the ground? That was. Uh, go ahead. That was uh, uh, in the second quarter, about t- ten minutes in the second quarter, ten twenty one actually. Okay. But to me, I mean, Bo Scarborough really jumped off the screen a little bit to me in this game, just with his ability. I mean, he had some huge rush lanes. I mean, some of these plays were either blocked up really well or whatever, but he, he got out the gate and was rolling, but you know, we had one called back on a kind of a bogus call 30 yarder that got called back. That fumble really hurt him. But I mean, early in the first quarter, the skins come down, you know, and he got a field goal. So that first quarter was a bunch of nothing, you know, three zip red skins. We're heading in the second quarter. We kind of put a drive together, 10 plays, 71 yards, actually a decent drive there over four minutes of clock time to tie it up. But, I mean, this is the play to me that I couldn't understand that swung the game. We kick it off to him. This guy bobbles the football. I think it's Grifka's boy, the wind sock, that comes down. And he's trying to make a tackle. He, he can't get him on the ground. Can't get him on the ground. And then I don't know if the rest of our team just quit. But like the minute he didn't get him down, like two blinks later, and this guy's untouched in the end zone. I mean, Matt Prater gave it about a half a effort, and then he realized he can't run, which is obvious. But, I mean, this this touchdown to the house, Steven Sims, 91 yards to the heezy uh, to put him up 10-3. To me, that was just a, a microcosm of the day of just like, really? He bobbles it, you miss a tackle, and then he's gone? Come on now. Paul, what would you think about that play? Well, it's interesting you said that. My my crackpot theory is that when the Lions saw the ball on the ground, they gave up their lanes and they they went for the fumble. You know, they they went for the ball and they gave up their integrity, which resulted in a lane and he got through it. I, I think. Hold it's, on, I gotta I gotta stop you because this is the same kind of crap that Matt Pat said. 
since when does a bobble way back? I mean, this guy's what on the five, 10 yard line, whatever it is, he bobbles it. You're, you're acting like it was a big pile up and everybody like got excited. They were going to get the football. Nobody was even in the screen. How do you lose your lanes? The only guy that had a chance was the windsock. So I don't buy this at all. I feel like even if he bobbles it, you're still just running down your lane to make a tackle. Like that's an absolutely bogus answer. I thought by the head coach as well as, just makes no sense to me. I mean, he made one bobble, one guy missed a tackle. Everybody else still should have done their job and got him on the ground. I don't understand. You well, see a ball 30, 30 yards away fall, and you just you just run to the left and get out of what you're doing? I, I don't get it. No, it's 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 more that they veered towards the ball, and then once they found they, the ball had been picked up, which doesn't always happen. I mean, it's not common that the guy just picks it up, no problem, starts running. You, you can't – you're going to have to – you know, merge back to the left. And by then it's, you know, a second or two has gone by and it's too late. It's, you, you know, you have to, you have to stop. A guy's going to be blocking you, but Hey, it's still not an excuse. I mean, you, you can't let that happen. It, period. So it's, especially when you've got a backup quarterback, you're struggling to move the ball. Uh, you, you can't give up plays like that. And, and the truth is that's what, that's what uh, cost him the game. I mean, when you look at the, when you look at the total yards, it, it came down to that, that uh, return for the touchdown and the, and the uh, uh, turnover. So, yeah, I mean. Paul, you thought this was the knockout blow in the second quarter? No. Well, it, it wasn't a knockout blow, but hindsight 2020, it was, you know, it was the difference um, in, in the game. But. Krifka, what did you think about this, man? You you got you got the same bogus answer as as Paul and Matt Pat and all these people just acting like. I mean, the guy dropped the ball two seconds later, picked it up. It's not like it was fumbling around or we had fifteen guys down to make a play. I mean, he dropped it, picked it up, and then housed it on our whole team. Um, here you go. Here's a funny story for everybody. Um, so I'm watching the game, you know, eating my Sunday pizza, and uh, I don't know, I must have got a little too much extra meat on that thing because I saw a score, so I'm like, okay, something kicked in, had a rumbling the tumbly, had to go use the bathroom. So by the time I get back, I see Driscoll with the ball again. I'm like, what, did we get a turnover or something like that? So I sit down, and then, you know, it shows his first play, and then the score comes up. I'm like, they gave up a freaking kickoff? I'm like, what the heck happened, man? You know, so I was kind of mad. So once again, I had to see the replay on that. And um, the replay is just that special teams play was horrible. So, um, yes, I mean, I can see the point of view of, like, once you see the ball drop, you know, on, on a muff, you know, kickoff, then, yeah, you do leave your lane. That's what you do. You don't continue to run in the same area that you're supposed to run as a natural kickoff thing. So I can see Matt Pat's point of view. I think it's, I think it is a lousy excuse and his team, you know, Mike Ford's wind sock should have made the tackle, but other guys should have been there as well. Um, I didn't see the whole play, like the whole field, you know, showing how guys left their lanes, but uh, yeah, that was a, uh, it was, it's pretty poor excuse. And you know, the wind sock should have made the tackle there. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to, to perform like that pitiful it sucked it stunk <laughs> thank you jim moore i agree uh so th th this puts this puts the skins up 10-3 and it's one of those plays where when it happens i'm sitting there going really like you're playing this pitiful squad who has a rookie quarterback and you give up a 91 yard house call on a garbage play like that you know uh it it, all I could hear in my head was Griffka going, oh, there we go. That's, the Lions would do something like that. And I just wanted to break my TV. 
uh, next thing you know, uh, another field goal. Now it's 13-3. This is where Grifka's definitely quit on the game. 13-3, it's obviously over. I mean, he hates the team, no doubt about it. I'm sitting there thinking, like, this is embarrassing that we're down, uh, you know, 10 points to this sorry squad, but there's no reason we can't come back. What do we do? We come down with 14 seconds left. Old, reliable Matt Prater drills a 49-yarder, absolutely dead middle. I was just like, man, this guy – this guy's no joke. I mean, he just puts it through the uprights all day. So 13-6 head into the half. Uh, hey, I have a quick question. Rivka. I have a quick question. When, oh, boy. No, Washington <laughs> got that extra three points from – that was at the Scarborough fumble. Scarborough fumbled on uh-huh. that, and that's where he got it. Was I the only one that thought that Scarborough's forward progress had stopped? I was going to say the same thing. It, yeah, that was obvious. In, in, uh, so how can the rest not call that? I mean – the pile's not moving, and there's plenty of times where there's a quick whistle on that, but the refs were still kind of, like, running in, letting it go, and then all of a sudden you see, like, everybody, like, kind of jump for the ball, and there was probably a good, you know, three, four seconds where, you know, his forward progress has stopped, and let's hand it to Rondé Barber. I hate listening to Rondé Barber call games, but even he said, he goes, wasn't his forward progress stopped? And it was, like, it's so odd, like, sometimes a ref will, like, blow the whistle just as soon as, like, a guy gets stood up by one guy, but there's like a whole pile, like like a rugby scrub, not even moving, and like they're letting the play go. Like he's gonna bust out at like the goal line or something like that. It's just that that play should have been blown dead. It's no excuse for him to like lose the football, but still, I mean, that's that that was kind of another one of those head scratchers. Especially when it's not a fourth down or if it's not on the goal line. I mean, you you blow the whistle. I mean, play if you're all about player safety. I mean, you're asking for guys to get destroyed when you just have one guy getting pummeled by four other Redskins, and someone's going to get hurt that way. It just seems a very inconsistent uh, way to call the game. And to me, that's often how the ball comes out. You know what I mean? It's it's all these hold the guy up. Uh, he's, his legs, his arms are all tied up. He's got two guys ripping at the football. Yeah, of course it's going to come out. My my big thing, and I'm not going to do a 10-minute rant, but I want to because this is the crap that pisses me off about the uh, things you can and can't review. This whole like, oh, you know, the whistle, you know, you can't review when the whistle was blown. Um, when the whistle is blown, it's dead. You can't review it. Like, I mean, what do we have all these microphones, cameras and stuff if people are just going to make up these inconsequential rules to say like, oh, uh, because I blew the whistle, we can't go back and look at it under the hood or, hey, I didn't blow the whistle. So it doesn't mean the play was not obviously stopped. Like when they showed this in slow-mo, you're sitting there going, okay, the ball's still not out, still not out. There's just a scrum and we're not trying to like push him forward. He's not really totally pumping his legs. He just sort of stood up there and then just sort of comes out and uh, they had to do what like eight replays until they could finally even see where the ball came out I mean that should tell you one thing that there's a bunch of humanity there and it was a wrong call so yeah I mean I thought it was obvious that it wasn't shouldn't have been a fumble and it's one of those I just shook my head where the stupid NFL has the inconsequential rules where um, we didn't uh, blow the whistle so let it keep going it's just like oh my gosh embarrassing so like, like, good one to bring that up because that was another, like Paul said, the, the kick return was a huge play. I feel like this put a big black mark on Bo Scarborough's day. That, and like I said, they took away the big run from him. Other than that, this guy played really good football. So, um, you know, going into the locker room, down, you know, come out of the locker room, put a really good drive together, nine plays, 75 yards, just under five minutes. 
a nice little uh, throw to uh, Logan Thomas, 12-yard touchdown, tied up 13-13. I mean, I feel like this is what they need to do is, you know, they had a good drive to end the half. They come out, they got the football, go down, uh, you know, pretty much early in that quarter, get a touchdown, tie this game up. This is where you think we're just going to either put, put take them to pound town or take this game over. Um, we actually did follow it up. That was the only thing that happened in the third quarter. Then we come back with a field goal. So now it's 16-13 early in the fourth. You're thinking, all right, put them away. Let's go. And then we all know what happens. They kind of come down. They get a field goal. Uh, and then and then those little plays. Let's just fast forward almost unless you guys have big stuff you want to talk about to that late fourth quarter drive. The turnover by Driscoll to shorten up the field. And then just these little plays by Dwayne Haskins where – he misses a bunch of throws and all of a sudden he makes a clutch throw here there to to beat us. I mean, that that to me is the most frustrating part about this ball game. I would have to say the most frustrating part about this ball game once again is letting uh the uh the rookie get comfortable. I mean, there's a lot of times where they had opportunities to, you know, blitz him. You know, they did they blitzed him a couple times. We all saw the one Jared Davis blitz where it was a delayed blitz and Haskins was standing there trying to read the field and and yeah, how do you like that play, that. What's that? That's a pretty good play by JD, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was amazing. No, every Lions fans think we have Mike Mike Singletary at middle linebacker. It's like the greatest thing of all time. But Jared Davis still sucks. So um, Grifka, I'm gonna let you talk for another 20 minutes, but I gotta I gotta call you on something real quick. You said we made Dwayne Haskins comfortable. Do, uh-huh. do I need to read his stats? 13 for 29 for 156 and a pick. Does that sound yeah. like a comfortable, good quarterback back there? Or does that sound like a guy that had a terrible day and still won? No, I, I, I didn't see Dwayne that. Haskins back there picking us apart all day. So I don't I don't agree with you there. Well, there were a few pass plays where he just overthrew guys, but um, where he had ample time to um, you know make the throw and make the read. And, yes, on that final drive, he was pretty comfortable. I mean, he had plenty of time to step up in the pocket. Um, let's see. um it's the difference between the final drive and all day. You said all day. I mean, I felt like we, well, we pressured him a bit. He, he was obviously not good. So no matter okay. if he missed a few or, or whatever, he struggled. Okay. That had, you know. Okay. But anyway, so uh, that final drive, he had ample time to go through his read and hit Adrian Peterson standing out in the flat wide open because no linebacker decided to guard him. And then, um, yeah, a couple of times, like you said, uh, he hit the throw to – you know, it was a Terry McLaurin where um, he had all day to throw because, you know, once again, we ran the pant that rushed three, drop eight. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, he was pretty comfortable on that last draft, comfortable enough to lead him to a final score and then go take a bunch of selfies. So, Paul, did, did you think Haskins is standing back there just picking us apart or did we just basically cost ourselves the game, not only on the kick return? But the turnovers by Driscoll, and yeah, they couldn't make a play in, on the, the final drive. Tell me if you heard that before. Well, I do think that the game plan was actually different than previous ones. And uh, some of the the uh, beat reporters were mentioning on Twitter that Patricia was was talking more to the um, to obviously Davis on the defense, and that they think that he was a little more involved in the play calling. And I did see a little bit more aggressiveness. Um, however, at the end of the day, when you're aggressive sometimes and you just completely drop eight back, it it still is going to make your defense tired. You're still going to have these these drives. DBs are run all over the place. They're going to get tired. When Slay, when Slay gets burned, specifically in the fourth quarter, you just know it's because, hey, they're not, they're not getting the pressure they need to. And, you know, 
Davis, I know you guys kind of go back and forth on him. Hey, he's not bad at everything, but there is a linebacker who on the Lions who is bad at everything, and that's oh. Chris, Christian Frankenstein Jones. Okay. <laughs> Okay. What do you What do you mean? We gave him a new, fresh deal. He's got to be amazing. <laughs> the, the, the oak tree in, in my backyard is more nimble and agile than that guy. I mean, so so when you see him, I don't even know if he's blitzing or if he's just rushing. But he doesn't get any pressure and he doesn't accomplish anything. And you got to ask yourself, well, why not just put Reeves Maven in there or or even Killebrew? Have him, you know, actually get around the edge, or if he needs to drop back, uh, you know, do something. So I, I do feel that the defense actually did play a little better. And it, it, if Haskins was just a, an average to above average quarterback, this game could have been really ugly. He missed a lot of throws. So, you know, it's hopefully that that answers your question for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you. He missed throws. I was just, uh, you know, I I, I felt like we're, this is another game where we basically were a couple plays away. You know, everybody's ragging on at the end, like, oh, Lions went in, lost in Washington. Like, they just are a terrible team. I mean, it's a, it's a classic NFL game where the other team missed some throws. We made some bad plays. It came down to that final drive. If we go ahead and, like, Grifka said, you know, he, when do they throw the ball to Adrian Peterson? The guy has, you know, he averages probably like 10 catches a season. He ends up catching a one late, uh, uncovered. And then that throw to McLaurin to me was a bad throw too. And he makes a ridiculous circus kind of fingertip catch, which any other time it probably bounced off his hands. And then we're, you know, they're out of field goal range and away we go either to overtime or maybe we put a drive together and win it. And, and to me, this, this whole season has been a microcosm of, you know, we, the the year we always won at the end, this is the year where we've been in every football game. And, and other than when me and Grifka were there live in person and saw the, the late play by Slay and then the really gutsy call to throw it on third down to ice the game. I mean that, and maybe the, the Philly where we had one play to make on defense and we, we made it thanks to a half a drop by um, the guy in the end zone. I think it was what, Aguilar or one of their receivers, like, other than that, every game's come down to a final drive or a few plays, and we haven't made them. So to me, this is what I said at the end of the game. Hey, that's another game where all you had to do was make a couple plays, and instead you let Washington do it. And like you say, you got a rookie quarterback beating you, a terrible football team beating you, a guy forgetting the game's still in progress, taking selfies beating you. I mean, an embarrassing loss, to say the least. One of the most embarrassing in the last few years I can remember to lose to this type of Washington team in this fashion at this type of game, regardless of who the quarterback was. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bad. Even with the injuries the Lions had, they still, if you were to put those teams on paper, the Lions would still have more talent on the field. So, you know, everybody keeps saying it's just, uh, no, they're still playing hard for Matt Pat. You know, you know, you hear the sound bites from Coleman and, um, you know, everybody's still in here. And then you get like other sound bites from Slay saying he's going to play hard no matter who's the coach. So it, it, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how much, you know, guys are out there playing hard just to like, you know, was it, uh, so there's tape for maybe the next coach or something like that, or, 
I, I, or they're just like they really like the head coach now and like they really like his style and they're like going to respect whatever he says and do what he says. So, but this was a, I mean, it was pretty bad even even with the injuries. This should should have still been been a win, and it, it was just I don't want to say disappointing. Disappointing is like the very like not even the correct word. I mean, this is just more like almost getting to the point of like apathy it's just like yeah okay you know seen that before so that was a disgraceful performance in my opinion we threw that game we gave it away by doing that we gave them the friggin game in my opinion that sucked thank you jim moore i agree um I mean, before we kick, put this game to bed, look at these stats. I mean, both Scarborough, 18 carries, 98 yards. Uh, I think Driscoll had over 60 yards on the ground. Um, you know, not a good passing day. 207 yards, three INTs. And, and to me, every week I come on the show and talk about turnovers. Four turnovers for Detroit, two for Washington. You know, we beat them in total yards. We beat them in first downs. Uh, we won the possession battle again. Like, people were asking me, like, hey, what do they got to do to win or win on Turkey Day? Like, s- stop losing the turnover battle. Stop stop choking at the end of these football games and go make a freaking play. Hey, Darius Slay, hey, how about you live up to your nickname? You got, you got rookies out there pulling the ball away from people. I mean, uh, you know, a certain guy we love on the show. Oh, baby! And we got Slay dropping picks left and right, smiling, laughing, joking, saying all this stuff in the media, like – Go out and, and not only be a perfect cover corner, but but actually get your hands on a football. Strip a ball out. What happened to the punch outs? You know, all this stuff that is just costing them games. So to me, I mean, this was a swing game again because you beat Washington. You got Mojo going into Turkey Day. You beat Chicago because Mitch Trubisky is just not good. Um, you chalk up another W, then you're, you're playing – other t- terrible teams down the stretch, you could have put something together. Now you lose to Washington. You got nothing. You still got injuries. Like, just not feeling that good about this Thanksgiving game. So, it's it had a lot of, you know, levels for me when when we finally lost this game. I, I thought for sure they were going to pull this one out in the end. And when they didn't, I just kind of really got discouraged about, uh, you know, the rest of the season, like, you know, me, I'd still kind of drawn it up of how they could make this look good, how they could end up, you know, pulling a few rabbits out of their hat and to, to lose this one just made me kind of just uh, shake my head, to say the least. But it's like, we talk about the injuries, maybe lingering a little longer. You're not feeling it. You know, I don't want to play this week. The same can be said about the guys that are actually out there that are, that are getting paid. I'm not saying Slay would play this way, but you're wondering why is he out there like, you know, laughing it up and joking it up. He, he realized there's nothing on the line, you know, so you're right. Is he going to go stick his head in there and like try to bring down a big bruising back or, you know, something like, I mean, really is, I mean, at, at that point you're making a financial decision. It's just like, is this worth it to me? You know? So yeah, and then, then then get him out, then get him and and continue to get those guys out. We we don't need you. You do your Every old gimmick about the Every the I seventy five. Every team has those guys. So you know, oh if you're gonna God. say like, fine, it's like it goes with the same thing. Oh, why don't we trade our best players to the good team so they can go win something? I can never understand that because those guys want to win. They want to win here, but we're more than willing to like let these guys walk to the Patriots and you know, so they can go win something. We can go get some other scrub, and we can still complain about our team. How come we don't bring the winning guys here? No, because they realize at this point the season's lost. They're making a financial decision, decision not to go out there and get injured 
you know, and yeah, they're playing, trying to, but there's certain things defensive backs can, can't do, you know, to show on the field. I mean, guys in the trenches, they don't, you know, push the pile as hard and it's, it's just kind of how it is, you know, so they realize there's nothing out there to, on the line to play for injuries will last longer and the guys on the field, it's like, okay, you know, maybe they take a breather a little longer or, you know, Hey, you know, I need a few more plays off just it's to say like, just kick them out of town, go get these hungry guys in there. The hungry guys are the guys that suck on every other team that like they're in your place. Oh, Paul, do you want to respond to that, man? That's that Lions loser mentality, I think. But just, you know, everybody, oh, we don't have anything for us. We don't have anything to play for. I'm not going to make a tackle. Like, I, I don't think pro athletes really feel that way. And those that do, like, shouldn't be in the pros. I mean, I, I don't know if they can really make conscious decisions of, hey, I'm going to play hard this play or not. I, I think that when you're in it, if things are going fast, I don't I don't really know if you have time to really think like, you know what? Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. But I do think that conditioning is just part of it. And their fourth quarter defense has been the story of 2019. Okay, They have lost all these games because of their fourth quarter defense. And a lot of it is just to do because these guys are getting tired from this this drop back three. uh, um, I'm sorry, the rush three, drop back eight scheme. These DBs are running and running and running. And then you got... You're subbing out these defensive linemen, but they weigh 350 pounds, and you still got to run 50 yards to get from from the field down to the down to the huddle. So they're never really completely healthy. And I, I the, the NFL is designed for fourth quarter comebacks, and the offenses, in this case Haskins, he just got more aggressive. He said, you know what, I'm just going to try this throw that he wasn't even trying to do in the in the first quarter, and. Obviously, they just threw it more than they they ran it. They had you know little to lose, um, so it's it just it's it's really hard to to it, it just one plus one does not equal two with the 2019 Lions, and it's just so strange because they they're always in it, and it I swear it's like in 2016 when they had all those comebacks. It's like they just took all the mojo out of the rest of the rest of the decade. It's because because 2019 is the complete inverse of 2016. And I truly feel that the 2016 team, the team that went to Seattle and got blown out, I was there. It was awesome. Um, I felt that 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 was an average team that was good at winning games. Okay, but I didn't want to call them a good team. I think the 2019 team is also an average team, but they're good at losing games, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if I answered your question or not. I know I went a little bit of a rant there, but um, <laughs> it, it, it just it just seems like it's just not making sense this year. And it's it, if, if anybody knew the exact reason, I'd like to think it would be fixed. But clearly, answers, <laughs> there's a lot more questions than, than answers. Yeah, I... I think you have a interesting idea about, I don't know that it's a conditioning issue, but I do think, you know, the, the, the thin line of winning and losing in NFL is, is very fine. And, and I think the lions have found themselves with, uh, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, like, you know, I don't know that it's, they don't have any depth. I feel like their depth has been elevated to starters so quickly when it comes to rookies and other things, they haven't really lived up yet. 
as well as some of your primetime players are gone. I mean, I feel like we beat a few of these teams with Stafford there. I feel like we, oh, yeah. um, we, we hold teams better as we have been in the run game when now Snacks has legs under him. You know, Flowers has been playing much better as he goes game by game until the concussion. So I feel like everybody thinks they're far away because of the record and they think they can't stop anybody on defense and, oh, look at, look at our offense isn't putting up – I mean, I feel like there's pretty easy answers for that, but I feel that I don't know that it's going to get fixed this year because I don't know that nine is going to be put back on the field. I don't think that, you know, we're just going to all of a sudden get super healthy on defense. But like I said, I don't know it's a conditioning, but I do know that a few bounces here or there in 2016 looks a lot different too. You know, same with this year. This year went sideways when we were there in Green Bay. You know, from then on, it's, it's been a loss by play here or there, you know, the Vikings is really the only beatdown we have this year. And let's say we pull out two thirds of those games. I mean, the season looks a lot different. So I don't know. I just, I feel like the players can say, well, we got nothing to play for. And my thought is, well, you should have made a few more plays in some of those games and you'd have a lot to play for right now, but you came up short in the fourth quarter or you dropped that pick or you missed that tackle or you didn't catch that football in the end zone. And that's what's costing us W's right now. It's got the fan base going crazy, and it's got people saying this is a terrible football team, a terrible roster, and I'm not so sure about that. But I know this has been a really tough year, no doubt. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So, fellas, let's put this to bed, man. We lost to Washington. Inexcusable. As Grifka noted, there's not much more to play for, but there is, you know, a handful of games left. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Before we get to that, I don't know if Grifka's got some questions, but I got a few rapid fires for Paul. Paul, Uh-oh. can I hit you with a few questions? You can uh, just give me a short take on each one, and then if Grifka's got a few, he can jump in there as well. Bring it on, baby. <laughs> Paul from Tampa, man. Are you trading Darius Slay in the offseason? Yes or no, and why? Yes. Why? Because it's just he's getting older and father time is catching up to him. And the thing about corners is especially a speed corner like like Slay, you lose one step and you just become an average guy. So, I mean, there's a price. You know, as Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, once said, everybody's got a price. Um, Can you do the laugh or no? (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. That so, is incredible. I mean, you know, I, I, I would say I would say a second round would, would be something I would be willing to, to take. Um, I, I don't know, obviously, how the Lions feel about it, and it might not make the locker room happy. But, hey, I, if, if this team was one step away and they could deal with, uh, you know, an aging corner for one or, two or one or two years, maybe get some, you know, mentorship out of him, uh, sure, but I, I just don't think they're close enough uh, to do that. Now, granted, I don't know if any team is going to want to trade for Slate. I mean, he hasn't been healthy. Um, 
there were there were all those rumors earlier about whether Lions are going to trade him or not. He wasn't. He was injured at the time. So should the Lions take a first rounder for him or second round? I don't think anybody wanted to to take a risk on a guy that's that's hurt. So um, yes, if if again everyone's got a price, I would say second round or better. I I would do it. Okay. I'm not going to come back on all your questions, but I, I agree with the second rounder. I don't agree that there wasn't a market and we could have traded him. He was sort of hurt, but he would have went to Philly in a heartbeat. I guarantee it. And Paul, by the way, do you know that Griffka shook his hand? Yes. In fact, that's something that, um, that uh, I was going to mention uh, to you guys, <laughs> to you guys later, actually. Um, I, I have, I have a, a project for 2020 for <laughs> Griffka. Okay. So, so wake up, Grifka. I know I've been talking a lot, but write this down. You got homework for 2020. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Get, get this in now because we we can't do a two hour show. So get, okay. give them give them okay. your homework. Let's do this. Okay, Grifka. Have you, have you ever seen an Ace Ventura Pet Detective? Oh yes, hundreds. Of times. Oh, okay. The the scene where where Ace was was tracking down all the all the rings and he had to do all these crazy things to find the find the guy's rings and the, the stone that fell out. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to find every 2020 draft pick, and you got to you got to find them wherever they are, whether it's at practice, whether it's at church, whether they're getting the mail, whether you know whatever. And you got to come down and say, "Hey, I'm Grifka, and you're going to be great." And you got to shake their hand. And then if you do that, then it's like baptizing all of them, and we're going to be just fine in 2020. So that's what you got to do. Yeah. See, I I tried to get. I, I tried. I, I was going to do it this year you know for Hawkinson just you know because you know since Derek says I hate him which I think still wasted first round pick but since he didn't come over and sign that day and it was like you know falls and whoever else was over there but so yeah I'll see what I'll see what I can do about that are we talking the guys that like you know aren't gonna make the club either like the round seven guys that yeah yeah that's that's kind of one of those you, you might kind of be wasting your time a little bit but um, okay so I'll you start know, at the top and work my way start down, at the top right? I mean Find one of those big blue mailboxes and just hang out and grab it. You know, grab their hand when they put the put the mailbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can do that. You're, you're going to be great. Okay, cool. What if it's Chase Young out of Ohio State? Because if I want to say you're going to be great, and first of all, he's from Ohio State, and second of all, that guy can't put two words together and make a cogent sense. Be like, <laughs> that's the way he talks. You didn't even listen to like any of his like you know any of his interviews. That's why the coaches always talk because it's got to be like a translator for like those Japanese baseball players. It's like, yes, he pitched well. It's like, that's the same way with Chase Young's coach. Yeah, he tackled well. Because, like, he asked me, what like, he Hey, listen. Ohio State sucks. <laughs> there you go. Me and Grifka will be in the big house on Saturday. And if Grifka quits on the Wolverines in the first quarter, uh, I won't need a Buckeye to do it. I'm going to put him in a headlock and just take care of it right then. Uh, yeah. Michigan's going to get that dub, no doubt about it. Okay, next question. Let's move it. Uh, Grifka's got a function to go to. Paul, Matt, Pat, Bob Quinn. You keep him or you uh, you moving on? It's all. It's going to be these last five games. It's. It's not even going to be about the score. It's going to be about the progress on defense. That's how I'm going to. How I'm going to evaluate this. I mean, the truth is, with without Stafford, you can't expect oh. to be putting up these big numbers. But hey, they played better against the Skins. You know, I. I, I want to see. I want to see the. Uh, the defensive game plan, with Matt Pat running it versus it was three weeks ago, and then. I can give you a, I can give you a better answer, but I do feel that if 
if they show some signs, if you get, you get guys still believing, and if these guys are are playing hard, which at this point it's kind of hard to tell, then keep them. If not, time to time to go. All right, uh, definitely rode the fence there. Classic. Yeah, Christmas yeah, I did. G- g- gave it both ways. That way you're right and can say I told you so. Either way, I, I see you working. Uh, Paul T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, what do you think? Uh, is Sky going to be good? Is he uh, a bust as Griff could deemed him on draft night? What do you think? It's not, is he going to be good? He is good. It's just they're not using him, and they're not using him because they don't need to use them because they got two, actually three great receivers. And um, it, it's one, it, it is a luxury play. And if Galladay went down and Jones went, or Jones went down, or even Amendola, he'd be getting more, more, uh, more touches. But for whatever reason, our wide receivers have been the only real healthy position, so we haven't had to lean on the tight ends like we probably thought they, they would. Paul, this defense, Grifka hates it. He thinks that they're just terrible, and he thinks that it's all because of Mother Goose calling the plays. I keep telling him, uh, you know, there's no way that Mother Goose going rogue calling terrible defenses and Matt Pat's letting it go. It's got to be a talent issue of some sort. Give me your quick take on the defense. Is it the scheme? Is it the play calling? Is it the players? Where are you at on that? It's the scheme, period, end of story. It, it, it doesn't make sense that they have more talent this year than they did, they did last year. And the truth is that other teams have figured out the Lions. They've got a whole offseason of game planning, and they don't make adjustments. If you notice, the, the Lions play poorly in the second half because other teams figure us out. So, yeah, it, it is the scheme. On paper, these players are so much better in 19 than they were in 18. What would Paul do as a scheme to fix it? Well, well, first of all, you take Frankenstein Jones and you, you get him out of there. Um, you, <laughs> and, and you have you put four gigantic 300-pound men on the defensive line every single play, and you go to the quarterback. Sometimes you blitz, sometimes you don't. But you never... I never want to see three offensive linemen just looking around for people to block because there's just no one there, okay? Just put pressure on the quarterback, and, hey, you know what? You're going to give up a, a big play here and there, but the truth is, hey, if they're going to score, have them score early. It doesn't really matter, okay? It's the same amount of points, and just jump back on the field, but but you have you have a chance to get a sack or a turnover. But this whole Dinkin and Duncan getting these guys exhausted and putting up points anyway, it's it, that's – that's really the problem. It's the fourth quarter defense. Paul, 2020. Does this team flip the script? And I also want to know what you would target in the first round of the NFL um, draft. 2020. Um, yes, they will flip the script. And I, I think it's one of those things where you mentioned earlier game of inches. And this this year they got the short end of the stick. I mean, you They've been winning every single game this year, and I think all but one of them in the fourth quarter. So obviously they're not a terrible team. This isn't like the the you know Millen days. There's no Joy Harrington running around. So as as for the as for the picks, you know, hey, I'm not the draft guy like you, but you can never have enough pass rushers. And if you could get a number one shutdown corner, I'd take that. Just no running back. No running back. What nope. do you mean? I put on Twitter, Jonathan Taylor, get here. Let's get this over with. No, let's no. Let's get ourselves I, a run game. Let's let's go the Joy Bell route, meaning <laughs> find somebody oh, off the street, just throw them out there, and if they're good, keep them until they get hurt because we've drafted so many 
first and second round running backs, and none of them have had over like 2,000 career rushing yards since Barry. I mean, just make a list. They get hurt. So find find a cheap guy and, you know, run him to the ground and then find somebody else, like what they're doing with Bo. I mean, sorry, sorry you're going to have a concussion, but it, it's just, it just makes sense, at least to me. But what do oh, I know? Oh, my goodness. Grifka, like, I, I wanted to debut this. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll play a lot more on the show, but, I mean – Paul, you gave it a good shot. You gave some good answers, but the new Grifka drop that's sweeping the nation, uh, here it is, and uh, this applies to some of your answers here. That drives me freaking bonkers. That drives me freaking bonkers. Oh, I can't I can't <laughs> believe some of your takes there. Grifka, you got anything for this guy in rapid fire, or can we talk a little turkey day? Let's, uh, let's talk to turkey day. I'm interested to hear uh, your point of view on this game. I love how Grifka's moving the show by, like he's got a warp speed. No, like when he's not on the show, Grifka, all of Paul's takes are usually the time that you yak on the show. So we're, we're not we're not crunched for time here. Just letting you know, buddy. You're the one that said you don't want to do a two-hour show. I know I'm you got to function, but I mean, we're we're just uh, we're 40, 45 minutes in here at this point. So Paul, huh. we appreciate you being on we the have show, a whole man. Another game to talk about, man. Come on. I'll, I'll keep my answers concise. No, you're, you're you're filling up the Grifka time. Keep talking, but no. Here's the here's the thing. I appreciate you being on the show. Like say you've been supporting us uh, since day one, helping us get the word out there. Like this is a word to the Kool Aid drinkers. Is like we've been trying to build this brick by brick. Paul, as many other people, we've been you know reaching out to people on Twitter. We couldn't do it without any of the people that are out there listening. And uh, it's just been really fun to see the show grow and to talk football. I mean, gosh, we're like two, three, four times a week now putting out content. So like I say, it was really fun to have you on. Hopefully we can maybe get uh, either other listeners or like I put out there one time, I'd love to hear some people's lion stories of how they became a fan or, you know, uh, their favorite game. And, and like you said, I'd love to hear more about your game in Seattle and we'll have to figure out if we can do that. Maybe like, like off season and stuff like that. So again, man, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So no problem. Pleasure is mine. So as Grifka said, let's, let's turn this clock forward. We put the Redskins game behind us. We talked about some hot topics there. Turkey day, Chicago. Um, Gosh, this is a game that it seemed like it was going to be so hype. You know, there's gonna be a ton on the line. Like everybody thought, Chicago was going to be incredible. They've just been, I mean, struggling. Struggling. And, I mean, it all starts with their quarterback, and that defense hasn't been anywhere as good as it has been. So, despite the Lions' struggles, this is still a game that we should come in and have a chance at. Should be able to please the fans in attendance and, and, and come out with a W, but, I mean, there's a lot of things pointing against it as well, just based on mojo, based on uh, health of the team. You know, I was really thinking this was the game that Matt Stafford is going to come out of the shadows and just out of nowhere. Here, There he is suited up. He comes out and throws for 300 and three touchdowns, you know, gives everybody a great holiday um, game experience. And, and, you know, at that point, we're either off and rolling or here we would have been maybe two wins in a row. Stafford's back, you know, but. Obviously, none of that is happening. So um, let me kick it to Grifka here first on this one. Uh, Thanksgiving Day, Lions, Bears, what are you thinking? This is one where I'm I'm hoping Driscoll plays and 
like you said, after last game, I mean, he hasn't, uh, he kind of took a step backwards, but he's got to be better than uh, undrafted rookie quarterback. And uh, Paul, like Paul said, we still have the wide receivers out there. Um, Scarborough ran pretty hard. He did have some nice rushing lanes, but I think the Bears have a little bit better defense. I mean, yeah, they're not the monsters of the midway, but, um, you know, it's just, um, you know, we just saw these guys a couple of weeks ago and, you know, hung tough there with these guys. And, you know, Mitch had his career day. But uh, still, I mean, it is Thanksgiving and the Lions like the, the national stage. They've liked it ever since I was a kid. So they generally show up for games this, you know, like like Thanksgiving because they consider it their day. Um, it's going to be it's still going to be a tough game, you know, with the injuries that the that the Lions have had. So. It's a, it'll be a tough one. I, I, do I, it's winnable, but it's going to be pretty tough. Griffco, before we kick it to Paul, now you said you called Driscoll great earlier. Paul said that we have great receivers. If our name was Mitch Trubisky or we weren't, uh, I don't know, as good, what would we be? Not that good. <laughs> Not that great. <laughs> Thank you. Almost missed your line. <laughs> Paul, man, uh, pick up, pick up the pace a little bit, pick up Grifka and tell him why, you know, this is winnable, why the lions need to go in and get this done and how it's going to happen. This is going to be a win. Okay. I, I'm pretty confident in that. And I say that because unlike this previous game against the skins where we're questioning effort and you know, how badly are, do these guys even want to be here? That is never the case on Thanksgiving. Okay, even even the the worst of the worst teams, they showed up for Thanksgiving, and I I feel like that's I, I don't know about that. Happened. Remember that Colts game where yeah, you know, you're, like six touchdowns, and after he threw like the fifth one, he just kind of like did the Michael Jordan after he hit that three pointer against Portland. And he just kind of like shrugged his shoulders, like what's going on here? I mean, I, that was that was pretty yeah. bad. You're right. I, I was at that game and everyone left early, and I picked up about 50 souvenir cups, and it worked out worked out pretty good for me. <laughs> Yeah, Christmas presents for the family. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, everyone's a winner except for those that went. Um, yeah, so the, okay. the picking. You're right about that. I was just going to comment on picking up souvenir cups. I, I've had friends and people. Oh, that's disgusting. That's just, it, it's it's a free like eight dollar cup that you didn't pay for. You go home, and you wash the thing. What's the difference? Like, I, I I'm with you on on picking up the free cups. I don't know about like. 50 but like at least at least uh, you know two to four is acceptable yeah i just just graduated college at a house i needed a bunch of cups so you know right, right. <laughs> what's the difference like you say you didn't have to pay the 850 hey. for the soda or the brewski and you still get the free cup oh, commemorative yeah. cup i love it oh yeah <laughs> so are are you thinking w or not paul i, I can't yes. see where you're, where you're going yes on. yes i'm thinking w and i, I think bevel's going to be aggressive i can see some flea flickers i can see some reverses on on defense i think they're going to have a completely different game plan than what they did three weeks ago i think they're going to be aggressive i think if the bears do score they're going to be actually like long plays they're not going to be these you know dinking dunking down the field stuff um i i see a 180 in a game plan, at least defensively. Now, on offense, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, you're limited. Your quarterback is a great athlete, but not a great quarterback. But, hey, they got Bo now. They didn't have Bo then. So maybe that's the that's the, the difference maker. So you think Bo knows turkey? Oh, yeah. Bo knows, <laughs> Bo knows everything, man. <laughs> I think so too. I really like this guy. I think he's a he's a um, probably a three. Hopefully next year, I'd love him to be a two three hybrid type running back where 
he's got that thump. He's got that speed. I'm not putting him as just some stud, but I think he's been way better than, you know, advertised as well as he's young. And he just is different than a lot of the running backs we have when it comes to size, speed, thump, uh, came from winning program, all that. So yeah, Bo knows, um, no doubt about it. And I keep him rolling. I really liked your take too on the, on the trick plays. I, I harp so much on this show about uh, winning the turnover battle. Go back and watch the games we won. What did we do? A little bit outside the box, play calling, a, a couple um, outside the box or trick plays that, that flipped the script. I mean, between a play here or there when it comes to, you know, catching a defense off guard and a couple turnovers, I mean, those things win ball games right there. So I really like it. I think they will probably pull a rabbit or two out of the hat. I think that, you know, to me, it's all about the defense. You know, uh, are they going to continue to, even if they're better at the run, if you cannot keep these guys in front of you, come on, uh, Coleman, make some make some plays. You're getting paid crazy coin. You know, Melvin was out. I mean, we liked what the rookie did, but you got to gotta make it tough on these receivers. And I feel like way too often, I feel like it's back to the Nevin Lawson days where it, just guys running wide open, three yards behind in coverage. Even my boy, Will Harris, he's like, a step or two behind like let's get it together let's make plays on the football let's make it hard for receivers get in their face jam them at the line play some nasty defense against the Chicago team and try to keep Cleo Mack off your quarterback and you should have a chance to win this game I think so I don't know it's I think it's still going to be kind of an ugly football game but I, I don't think it's one they can't win but I don't expect uh, fireworks by any means, and and I think they're going to have to switch it up, as you said, to come out come out on top. Grifka, what are you thinking when it comes to uh, give us a score and a prediction? Well, this is going to be a tough one. I mean, this, are, are we doing the same kind of like we with with Stafford? If Stafford plays, it'll be this. If not, it'll be this. Or are we just going straight from you know we're we're banking on uh, Driscoll playing here. I guess that's my first question. Oh, well, I mean, at this point, I think it's, is Driscoll playing or is it Blau? I mean, do you think there's any chance Matt Stafford suits up? I mean, I haven't heard that anywhere. That's a Grifka. Um, let me get the music here. I mean, is, is this a, is this breaking news? Did, did your boy Dave Burkett call you? Or is this one of your, uh, I don't know, one of your conspiracy theories? That we might see number nine roll out there, like I said, have the jersey on and, make everybody's holiday special because I haven't heard that from anybody. I'm just asking. I don't, I don't think Stafford will play. And I'm just uh, wondering, you know, I mean, I think we stand a better chance of winning this game with Driscoll than we do Blau. But uh, that uh, I still think my score is going to be the same even if Blau plays. And that's going to be, Bears are going to win this game. Uh, Sorry, Lions fans. I mean, I kind of uh, went, uh, Use the use my string of victories when they uh, showed up against Washington. So uh, Bears are going to win this game. I got them winning this game, uh, twenty-four to uh, thirteen. Grifko, where are you at on coach and GM? Like we know that you've you predicted twelve wins. You were roses and and butterflies before the season. Since they've started to lose, you know. You've went Eeyore on me. You've went negative. You don't think they're going to do anything. You hate the team. Uh, if they get blown out in this football game, are you going straight up 97-1 the ticket, Mike Valeni, and just want everybody fired, start new? I would – gosh, I, I could see him. You're, you're actually thinking about this? This is a thought for you? 
Yeah, because I oh can see. Because I don't think Quinn's done. I mean, I'm reading people like you know he's missed on every draft pick except Galladay, and it's just I I wouldn't say that. I might keep Quinn, but I if they get blown out, you know, Matt Pat, you know, it's, if it's like one of those forty-five to ten games or something where they're just not competitive from the start. I mean, if it's like one of those heartbreakers or whatever, it's like, okay, I'm not looking to ditch him at that point. But if it's like one of those things where this team's like sleepwalking from the jump and, you know, they just get it handed to them on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Then Matt Pat, you know, I could be, yes, yeah, see you later, buddy. But uh, I don't think Quinn's done terrible in drafting and bringing in free agents here. And, you know, like Paul said, part of it's the scheme. So, I don't want to, you know, keep Matt Pat around simply because you like the way he talks at, you know, press conferences and the way he rips on Dave or Kent and tells him to button his shirt and sit up straight. I mean, I can get a fourth Somebody grade teacher to. to do that. I can get a fourth grade teacher to do that. So why don't we go get a fourth grade teacher to be the football coach just because, you know, they sound good on the mic and, you know, and because they're used to talking in front of people and they, they reprimand people for not tucking in their shirt, and, you know, chewing with their mouth closed. Oh, that's not how he talks, Grifka. This guy has Super Bowl rings. He's been in the biggest games ever because he hasn't won in 1.5 years in Detroit or because he d- he yeah, gets blown so out on Turkey Day. You're so like, did, oh, so did you, Charlie Weiss and so did you Josh embarrassed Daniels. me on Turkey they Day. Get rid rings. of the guy. They all oh. got rings. They all got rings because of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. It's not from the geniuses of Romeo Cornell and, you know, Charlie Weiss and Matt Pat and Josh McDaniels, you know. The Patriots win because of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That, and they get tripping calls called on the other team's <laughs> offensive line when it's not even close to being a tripping call. So every every defensive call that went through, Belichick overruled him. This guy had no clue what he's doing. This guy didn't. Well, Bill uh, Belichick was a defensive coach. You know that, right? I, I realize the NFL didn't start till Derek Oakry showed up, but you realize Bill Belichick was the defense coordinator on those Giants teams, correct? You know right. that, right? Right. What's your point? Yeah, I would have to say Bill Belichick put the final stamp on every call. You know, so when the same thing you say about Mother Goose, he's just the figurehead. But, you know, Matt Patricia's still calling those plays. That defense still looks like hot garbage if your genius head coach is calling those plays. So it doesn't matter who's calling it. Yeah, I would have to say Bill Belichick. He's the one calling those, making those game plans. And Matt Patricia was just the figurehead there. Does that make you feel better? All right, so we've established Matt Patricia was just sleeping at every meeting, and Bill Belichick <laughs> made made the made the scheme, made the game plan, well, called him on Sunday. Rocket science. Matt Pat you know, just showed up. Guy. He was, you know, just he's a rocket science guy. So right, it couldn't be a talent him. issue, or it couldn't be that it was well established program when Matt Pat and when Bill Belichick actually started winning. I mean, did he win There's in his one, first year and a one half? Hall no. Of Famer. One Hall of Famer on all those defenses. Ty Law is the only Hall of Famer on all those Super Bowl championship defenses. All of them. He's the only one. Vince Wolfolk may get there. May. But there's no other defensive back. There's, you know, Stephon Gilmore's there right now, but he doesn't have that quite career there to put him in the Hall of Fame. None of those oh, linebackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Teddy Bruschi. Maybe Teddy Bruschi. But that would be it. So, yeah, I would have to say scheme. To say that he had all this, he had all like this Hall of Fame talent there, no. And it's Bill Belichick. He was the defensive coordinator. He's the one putting those game plans together. 
Oh boy, how quickly it turns. I, I would love to, we just got to pull up tape from a year ago when you loved the coach, you loved, he was a defensive guy, could bring in, now you're just way off the, off you're the right. rails I on it. I love that he was a defensive guy, but this defense hasn't shown enough. This year, where, where were they last year, Griff? Top 10. And because he's had one bad year, because he ruins your turkey day, you're going to fire the guy. Yeah, that's real, real, real smart team building. Oh man, you ruined my gravy oh, and biscuit. Oh, yeah, right. Get out of here. Him around because he rips on Dave Burkett. Let's keep that, coach. There we go. Oh, my gosh. Paul, like, you, you got anything on this? Uh, this guy drives me nuts over here. Well, you're Oprah, you're probably too young to remember this, but I'm sure Grifka remembers. Back in the Wayne Fonts era, they would be hiring and firing defensive coordinators and offense coordinators all the time, and he would always scapegoat them. And guess what would happen? They'd turn it around and then make the playoffs the next, the next year. It happened constantly. In fact, Wayne Fonts fired his own brother, okay? And then guess what? Next year, they made the playoffs. So getting rid of Mother Goose isn't even an option. It has to be done. And if Matt Pat can't do that because of a loyalty thing, then then they're doomed. But I, to me, that's the quick fix. I mean, look at what happened with the offense. On, on paper, it's probably the same, the offense is. And it uh, from 18 to 19, and Bell came along, and guess what? It's better. Well, maybe that can happen with the defense. And I understand that it's it's Matt Pat. That's ultimately his his um, it's it's his responsibility. But you pr- you probably have a an uh, eco chamber kind of thing when you when you already know all your defensive players. You need you need an out. Uh, I'm sorry, defensive coaches. You need an outsider who has a completely different. Um, idea of it all and I think that is what can turn around this defense quickly Paul I want your take on like where do you fall in coaches scheme and what they call versus what what's executed because I, I can't imagine that we're just we're just fumbling and calling these horrible defenses that any team would just slice up. I, I always feel like it's more of a talent issue. I mean, is that just me, or you think that if you call a perfect D and your team's not up to snuff, you're still gonna just you know be better than the other guys? I I I, I don't get that. Talk yeah. me off that if you believe otherwise, because well, I think it's not only talent but the health. Like you don't think we'd be blitzing more if we had hand flowers. Snacks, uh, Bryant, Canard, all these guys ready to roll. I mean, yeah. of course. Well, but when they when they're hurt, you try to figure something else out. And he's been trying to drop people, and it hasn't been working. So change that. But you still don't have the players. Well, in in so. but in September they had the players. Okay, what everyone was not everyone, but most of the guys were were healthy then, and it wasn't working. So it wasn't. Do you remember September? We were we were never lost for a while there. We were, uh, we, well, we we lost at the buzzer to the Chiefs. We 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 basically beat Green Bay in their house. Like it wasn't working, or it just hasn't worked now. If we're all beat up and everybody's jumping off the cliff, everybody's went straight up Grifka on it. Like just that. Oh, we're Swiss cheese. Like we were winning early in the year with the no, same no, drop people. Like you, like you said before, teams have figured us out. Teams have fit. You know, teams have figured out this great master strategy defense. That's it. That's all. That's all it is. They have enough tape now where offensive coordinators know what to do to beat the Detroit Lions. Okay, I I, I don't buy it. I, you know, I, I if they figured us out, great coach like, get the most out of their players, no matter who's on the field. 
do you think that there's a chance maybe he's getting the best out of what he has on the field right now? And it's not well, good. That, well, then, yeah, that's there's you just everybody keeps saying that on paper this team's better. They signed you know the number one nickel cornerback and Darius Slay's out there. They hurt better. Well, then, so he's not. So then he's not getting it out. He's not getting the talent out. That's coaching. That's not. They you know, don't coaching. have their quarterback. They don't have their eighteen million dollar defensive their guy. They is don't. Fine. Have... Their off. It's this is the defense. The offense is fine. I'm not even. I'm not even worried about the offense. It's the defense. And your defensive genius head coach isn't getting enough out. Getting it out of his defense. It doesn't. They were missing Trey Flowers. What one game? <laughs> I mean, so they so they lost to Washington because they didn't have Trey Flowers. Come on. Yes. Yes. Oh, That's and they was, don't have yeah, and they don't have Tracy Trey and they don't have Hand. Oh my God. Come on. Gosh, come you on, just Derek, single out. You just single out one guy. Like I just named off four guys they don't out. have they that are all starters. Defensive end. Yeah, that was my one example. You want me to reel off a bunch more? Tracy Walker, Deshaun Hand. Who who else we got Deshaun, that's been Deshaun dinged Hand up? Deshaun played all year, and obviously early in their year. Remember, that's when the problem. Was... He's a good player, and he hasn't been out there at all. You're right. They're two zero and one when he wasn't out there earlier in the year, and we barely lost to Kansas City. And blah 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 blah. Because all the other guys I just mentioned were Tracy Flowers was out there. One Snacks game. was healthy. One oh game. Oh, we had our quarterback, by the way, who put up 30 points a game. We put up how mm. many points a game with Driscoll out there for the first couple? Come on. Not 30. Like, oh, like, like in the low 20s. It was. They scored, what, 27? They scored, what, 27 against the Cowboys and still lost that game. Who was on the field? Flowers? Oh, that's right. Deshaun Hand wasn't there, but he hasn't played all year. Was Tracy, Tracy there? Out early because he was hurt. But everybody else right. was out there. Your slow linebacking core was out there. Oh, I'm sorry. The only fast one's Jared Davis, but you know he has like one play every three games, and you know he's you know Jack Lambert. You know, so come on, it's the scheme, and your coach isn't getting out, getting the best out of his players. Yeah, I definitely am still going to say that this roster is better. These players are better, but. So when what you does don't that have... go towards coaching? Doesn't that say something about the coaching? Doesn't it say something about the coaching? <sighs> See what I do with Paul? I can't even finish talking. Like the the roster's better, the players are better. No sense. Well, there's, more, there's more talent on it, but it's not the coaching. So it's everybody else out there just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. That point makes zero sense. Is what I'm trying to tell you to say that there's more and coaching, I and they're not and they're not getting the best out of it. Oh, Griff, have you not heard a million times where I've ran down the litany of injuries at key spots? I'm not saying like, oh, Trey the uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying the, the backup nose tackle is out. What? What? Oh, gosh. Well, he, Tracy not... Walker went out like Tracy Walker went out early in the Cowboys game. He's been there every other game. Come yeah, on. and he's been he's been really good every game and he's helped our defense. He's made plays on the ball. He's <laughs> guarded lost. tight ends. And they've still lost. They have seven they losses. Didn't and they didn't lose. Like, crappy, when, when everybody was rolling, when everybody was rolling, if we come out of Green Bay, it's not we all we always lost. We were, like, right on the cusp right there of being right in the thick of it until we really started getting hit by not only the injury bug, our quarterback going down, and just, like you say, I'm not saying they're executing great, but I'm saying go out there with what they have, t- seven rookies or 11 rookies that played this last week. 
Go out and win with that roster with some genius head coach that's just going to, well, I'm going to call a defense and they're going to magically make plays. Or are you going to call a defense and they're still not going to be good enough at this point to cover people or to rush the passer or to make the adjustments like they need to when you got you got a rookie like Tavai out there doing all these different things. Like I'm just saying everybody that's going crazy, like it's definitely could be an injury issue as well as a – like Paul said, a, probably a big leap in 2020, make a few adjustments and get your roster back where it needs to be. And you're, yeah, the offense has been good. It sure looked a lot damn better with nine back there and throwing the ball deep to all our wideouts. You see any deep passes the last few weeks? You see any big explosive plays? Yeah, I don't think so. We've seen a bunch of dink and dunk garbage type football. And, and yeah, the defense is, is still not where it needs to be. So anyway, Paul, man, are you still there? I'm still there, and I just want to say one thing. You know, as the optimist, Oakley, <laughs> the thing that that's good about the about uh, Grifka's take here is it's a hell of a lot easier to get a new coach than it is to get a bunch of new players. So that, at the end of the day, what we're what we're crossing our fingers for is that it is coaching, because that's just one higher way, and we're fine. Versus starting over right. again and churning all these guys. It's going to take two to three years with a new with you know, get a new scheme and everything. It's just flip the switch, get a different coach, see how it goes. If not, well, then we're in trouble. But Paul, there's no, there's no flip a switch in the NFL. You don't just hire a new guy and, and they no. just come in and like make it, make it money. He's a coordinator. You're talking about the head coach. No, well, and, LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. I mean, Matt LaFleur. Sean McVay last year. Oh, right. They, the, those, oh, did I say those are those are very untalented rosters that both those teams had. They uh they really they really uh just came in with a, a up and coming or young team and just figured it out. Or did they have a good team and they both added? Like what has LA done Green, in the free agent Green, game? What Green has Green Bay, Packers, Bay done? Green Bay Packers drafted a lot of young defenders. They didn't draft tight ends at number eight. Um and yeah, they have a they um um my favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. We know everybody out listening to the podcast know how much I love him. So if you're saying like you know, they had a banged up Aaron Rodgers last year, which he was. Um, same thing with Matt Stafford. So, yeah. And how, how good were the Packers last year with, with none of those rookies, none of those free agent signings, and a banged up quarterback? They had a real yeah. good year, didn't they, Grifka? Yeah. they. You know what they did? They changed coaches. Thank you very much. Excuse me. There, there you go. Ding. Hit your bell again. Just goes, to, just goes toward the point Paul just made. Thank you. Yeah, it was a terrible point. It was get rid of one guy and everything is fixed. You can't fire the no. players. You can't fire the players, okay? And matter. I know you're ready. Get them on a bus outside of town and we'll get some young, hungry guys in here. Yeah, all right. those young, hungry guys like we talk about, those young, hungry guys that are happy to be here, they're going to play hard, are all the scraps off everybody else. I'm sure Calvin Pearson was more than happy to sign a contract here in Detroit, being the backup, backup safety, but he knew the Tampa too. Yeah, but he was a young, hungry player. Paul, this is my counterpoint to you about, um, you know, your get rid of the coach or a might be the coach. Uh, When we go back to players, how how many players have you seen over the years that were either drafted or brought into a team? And maybe the first year or so it didn't go so well. They weren't performing. They weren't reaching their potential. And then, hey, all of a sudden, wow, look at them playing a lot better. Like almost looks like a whole new player. Uh, You know what happened? Well, Maybe he just not only has more time, not only in the scheme, the organization, but maybe it just clicked. So, like, 
my counterpoint is like, okay, just get rid of the head coach, go start over basically, not only from a coaching perspective, but did you ever think that all these players have been brought in for this coach's scheme, for these different things they're trying to do organizationally? So you go ahead and get rid of the coach. The new coach wants all different types of players. He wants a new scheme. So you're starting over and like you didn't even give this guy two two years of football to flip an organization that's lost for 50 years. Like not, that, that, that's like drafting a rookie. And then after six games, booting him out, like you can be frustrated with a guy. You can say like, he's not performing. No, more I expected like more. Given That'd be more like drafting a rookie and giving him a year and a half. You, you can't, you can't right. give a rookie six games and give a coach a year and a half. That timeline doesn't make any sense. There's no I'm difference not, between a coaching timeline and the players are exactly the same. Well, actually, your coach should obviously know a little more about football. That's how he made it to be a coach. But you're only going to give a rookie who doesn't have as much time. You're only going to give him six games to run him out of town. But you're comparing that to a coach who should have more football knowledge considering he's ascended to coach, and you're giving him a year and a half. So once again, your point doesn't make an ounce of sense. At least use the same analogy. I'm not saying saying you get rid of Matt Pat. I'm saying you do the Wayne Fonts and you fire your brother. Okay. In this case, you fire your mentor and you get a guy in there who has a different, I, not necessarily different philosophy, but just isn't an eco chamber in there and they can bounce some ideas off and they can, and Matt Pat might say, you know what? I've been, in, I've been in the same system in new England for 10 years. And then I came here with all my buddies. I never really thought outside the box. Maybe you're right. Matt Pat can stay on as the head coach and do his normal responsibilities, but you just have a, have a different person drawing up the game plans. That That's what I'm saying. I, I think getting rid of Matt Pat isn't necessarily going to be the... It, it, now, granted, if Matt Pat doesn't want to adjust, then we're going to be in the same boat. But an easier fix, and it's worth the, worth the try, is just to get a new DC. Try that for 2020. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is... a. Uh a proven not only system, but a proven guy that's won. He's not winning right this moment. And he hasn't won the last year and a half as Grifka would say, but the, the track record, the other way is a lot, you know, more tilted. And I mean, I, I just don't know. I just don't see them bringing in another voice like that. I see it more of, you know, it's just coming to fruition where we're sitting here like we did, uh, even last year, we, we were frustrated with our defense. We couldn't stop anybody. We got a couple players, and bam, nobody could run on us. I feel like a couple good additions, a healthier team, and a, just letting this thing play itself out is a much better way than just blowing it up or saying, hey, let's get a new voice, and, and he'll fix it. Because, I mean, there's there's only so many defenses and stuff you can run. I mean, I like I like Matt Pat for his scheme and, and thoughts, but I, I never thought he's going to dream up something that's never been seen before. I think it, that's why I always say it comes down to execution, you know, all the stuff he says, fundamentals, players. He gives the players all the credit. They should get all the blame, a lot of the blame, you know, in my opinion. But, you know, we'll see what happens with them. I think a lot of people are, are going to go try to burn everything down if they don't win on Turkey Day. And there's people like me that as frustrated as I am, I know you've uh, seen it, uh, Grifka, others have seen it on Twitter. Like I've sat here week after week and, and supported and, and say, man, you know, I, I can see where they're going with the Hawkinson pick, but he goes 10 plus weeks with no production, no tenacity, no impact. 
yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to call it out and be frustrated as a fan, but I'm not saying get rid of TJ Hawkinson. I'm not saying cut him. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm saying right now I'm totally frustrated with that player. And I don't mind people saying they're totally frustrated with the defense. They're totally frustrated with Matt Pat. They think he's not adjusting. They think he doesn't know football, but I think that it's not only too early in the game. It's just sort of like, you know, let's let's see what happens. And unless you're just that that small minority that just says blow it up, start all over. I mean, how many times have we done that here in Detroit? And like you gave some good examples, you can go ahead and brush out a coordinator or or put window dressing on it. But I think it comes down to if you're either going to ride ride it out with Bob Quinn and Matt Pat for the next. You know, I'm definitely giving them one more year, if not two. And I think they're under contract for three more. So either giving them that time or you or you're not, you know, I, I think to let this thing build and, and see where it ends up. It might end up still not where we all wanted as fans, but it might end up really great. And we're just not willing to wait that extra little bit. Again, we've been waiting for 50 plus years as fans and as, as a, um, you know, a city. I think that, you know, if we knew in a year and a half, two years, this team is going to be flipped, we'd all be pretty excited. And that's what I try to serve up here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast is not only the hope, but the now that we got Bo Scarborough, Bo leave and Bo, <laughs> as well as, uh, you know, just hang in there and know that, you know, you got to support our team, even in the bad times. Nobody wants to just be cheering and having our shirt on and being down there, whooping it up when everything's going perfect. You got to be hanging in there when all the chips are down and we're not playing good football and, and figure out how it's going to turn itself around. And I hope that's, you know, the back half of this year in 2020 as well. So Paul, man, I know I said, we'd, uh, we just have you on here and keep it. We, we have run a, a bit long. It's been fun having you on. We love that you're not only listening to the show, but you share it with friends. It was really fun meeting you and all your buddies at uh, green Bay you know, hoping we can maybe do another roadie, maybe somewhere down the line. But, uh, you know, like I say, not the way we wanted this football season to turn out. But I'm really glad we got you on the Kool-Aid cast. We've been able to meet you through the Kool-Aid cast. Uh, just really fun talking Lions football. So thanks a bunch, man, for uh, not only being on the show, but um, having the kind of uh, passion for this team that you have, the takes, and just uh, being a part of the show. It's been fun. Oh, my pleasure. This has been fantastic. Best hour <laughs> and a half of my life. <laughs> Paul, do, do you do you want me to do it or do do you want to do it? You know what we do here at the end of the show. I think I can handle it. All right, let's see what let's, you got. Okay, okay, we'll see. So, uh, Grifka, you got anything for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, Paul, man, you nailed it. I mean, I got to watch out for my job here. Uh, the way you you dropped that on Grifka, Grifka hits the nope like he always does. Um, classic stuff. So, fellas, appreciate it. It's been fun talking back and forth. Uh, we'll see what happens on Turkey Day. Hopefully, our team can can get a W or can show some life. As well as you know, we're at that point now. We're also looking at uh, the future of the draft, health of the players, everything with this team. So, everybody, um, get at us uh, online. Ask us questions, uh, Paul. Thanked him. Um, this just shows you support the show. You never know. We might call you and say, hey. Let's just come on and talk Lions football with us and, and laugh and enjoy ourselves. So um, Paul's a great example of that. And the show has just been a blast from the day we started until now. So thank you, everybody. Take care. We're out. Back to back. Stop the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.